So all of us have a will or a desire. There's things we want. There's things we, we hope are going to happen, right? We want, if we're really honest, oftentimes we want what we want when we want it the way we want it. Right? We, I mean, somebody said, yeah, yep, that's me. Right? We, we want what we want, when we want it, the way we want it. Right? So we have our wills, we have our desires. Right? I mean, you may be wanting the school year to come to an end. Well, it's coming to an end, right? We had, we, that was kind of like a silent amen. A hand went up, right? Well, the school week is coming to an end, right? Just this week, right? Now, parents, you may be happy with that or not. I don't know. But, but we have our wills. We have our desires, right? We have a will for our family. We have a will for our church. We have a will for our country, right? I mean, you may have a will for different things. You have your desires. You may have a, a will for your career, right? There, there may be something that you're hoping for or you're wanting. Maybe you have a, a, a will for a job opportunity. Or you have a, a will for for how much money you're going to make or, or when you're going to retire and what you're going to do when you retire, right? There's, there's things that we want. There's things we desire. We have hopes. You may be praying for a job opportunity and your will is that you get that job. Right? You may be praying for someone's healing. It may be your own. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. But you're praying for God to heal them and your will is that they would be healed. Or maybe there's something else that's going on that you're praying about, that you're, that you're seeking God for and you're asking God to act in some particular way and your will is that God is going to do what God wants you to do. Or what, they, what you want God to do rather. Your will, your desire is that God is going to do what it is you're asking Him to do. I have a will, you have a will, and God has a will. We see that clearly here in this prayer. God has a will. And so today we're talking about our Father's will. Now, if you notice, Jesus here is teaching us to pray for our Father's will to be done. So Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So Jesus is teaching us, he's teaching his disciples to pray for our Father's will to be done. Now, He doesn't say for our will to be done, for my will to be done. He doesn't say, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, my will be done, or our will be done. No, He teaches them to pray for the Father's will to be be done. So I think it's appropriate for us to ask ourselves, well, how do we discover God's will? We pray for God's will to be done. We pray for the Father's will to be done. So how do we discover God's will? That's a really relevant question, isn't it? It's a relevant question. Like, where do we discover God's will? 
we're going to pray for God's will to be done, if we're going to pray for the Father's will to be done, where do we discover God's will? Well, we discover God's will in the Bible. Right, so if you're wondering, well, how, how do I know God's will? Where do I discover God's will? We find God's will in the Bible. So what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? And we can very simply say, based upon Scripture, that God's will for us is that we would glorify Him. That we would praise Him. That we would honor Him. The, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism provides this answer that, that the chief end of man, or man's chief end, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So our purpose is to glorify God. The purpose that of my life is to glorify God. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. The purpose of this church is to glorify God. So what is the will of God for you and the will of God for me? It is that we would glorify Him. In Isaiah 43 verse 7, the Lord speaks of those He created for His glory. In Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, Paul, he says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now, who is Paul talking about here when he talks about the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think? He's talking about God. Jesus teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven who is God. And here Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So when we pray to our Father in heaven, we are praying to one who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too difficult for God. You don't have a problem that's so big going on in your life right now that you can't take it to the Father in heaven. You don't have something. Now, it, is, it may be too big for you to deal with. It may be too big for you to handle. It may be too big for you to figure out. And it may be beyond your ability. But Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what is God's will for First NSB? What is God's will for our church that we would glorify Him? To use Paul's words here in Ephesians 3.21, to Him be glory in the church. So God's will for us is that we would glorify Him. God's will for our church is that we would make disciples. That's our mission. That's what we're about here at First NSB. We make followers of Jesus. We make disciples. Disciples glorify God. Disciples believe in Jesus. Now, when I say disciples believe in Jesus, there are, there are truths about Jesus we believe. We believe everything the Bible teaches us about Jesus. And specifically, we believe that Jesus died for our sins. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. So disciples glorify God, disciples believe in Jesus, disciples live for Jesus. 
Now, when I say disciples live for Jesus, I'm talking about we're living our lives for Jesus every single day. Where we live, where we work, where we play. The totality of our lives are lived for Jesus. We live for Jesus. We obey Jesus. We take up our cross daily and we follow Jesus. And as we live for Jesus, disciples grow in Jesus. We don't stay where we are spiritually. None of us have reached the place where there's no more room for spiritual growth. I've got lots of room for spiritual growth in my life. I have not reached a place where there's no more room for growth. So disciples grow in Jesus. And then finally, let me say, disciples of Jesus make more disciples of Jesus. Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, who was he telling to go and make disciples? He was telling disciples to go and make disciples. So, we discover God's will in the Bible And God's will for us as individuals and God's will for us as a church is that we would glorify Him. And God's will for us as a church family is that we would make disciples. Now, I want you to notice something that's important that we see not only in what Jesus is here saying, but in what Jesus actually does Himself. And that is this, Jesus practiced what He preached. Now, this is important, right? I mean, a sermon, right? What we do on Sunday morning when when we come together and and we we sing and we pray together, but then we open God's Word together, we hear God's Word taught, and, and, and as we're hearing a message, like sermons are not just intended to be heard. They ought to be practiced. Right? God's Word is not just to be read. God's Word is not just to be heard. God's Word is not just to be memorized. God's Word is not just to be studied. God's Word is to be obeyed. James says, be, don't just hear the Word. Don't be hearers of the Word only, but be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So, so it's important that we don't just hear the truth of God's Word proclaimed. It's important that we practice the truth of God's Word. That we put it into practice in our everyday lives. Hopefully this preacher practices what he preaches. Now I will tell you about this preacher. This preacher doesn't perfectly practice what he preaches. I'm a sinful man. I fail in my thoughts. I fail in my speech. I fail in my actions. But Jesus perfectly practiced what he preached. Jesus practiced what he preached. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I'm getting at. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray to their Father in heaven, your will be done. And then Jesus himself, later in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus himself prays to his Father, your will be done. Now, the context in which Jesus prayed this He was anticipating what was about to come. Jesus knew what was coming. And what was coming for Jesus was the cross. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that He was going to the cross. Jesus knew that suffering was on the horizon. He knew it. 
In fact, prior to his arrest, Jesus prayed these words, Matthew 26, verse 39. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed again, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Here is Jesus knowing that the cross is on the horizon. Here is Jesus knowing that suffering awaits Him. And as He knows this is coming, He prays to His Father. And ultimately, He prays to His Father, Your will be done. John's Gospel. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 38, Jesus says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So Jesus practiced what He preached. Jesus taught His disciples to pray to their Father in Heaven, Your will be done. Jesus Himself submitted to the will of His Father. He said that He came not to do His own will, but the will of His Father. He prayed before His arrest to His Father, Your will be done. But let me add one more thing to it. He didn't just teach His disciples to pray to their Father, Your will be done. He didn't just pray Himself, Your will be done. Jesus did His Father's will. Jesus did His Father's will. So when we pray for our Father's will to be done, it follows that we will also do our Father's will. We don't just pray for God's will. We do God's will. Right? I mean, when we pray this prayer, when Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't just utter those words to our Father. We don't just pray to our Father and say, Father, your will be done. And that's it. Back to business as usual. No, we don't just utter those words and then go about our business. No, we, we do God's will. We pray for God's will and we do God's will. Now Jesus addresses the importance of doing God's will in the very next chapter. So hopefully your Bible is open. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus addresses the importance of us doing God's will. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So how do you know you're saved? How do you know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? 
Now, it's important to know the answer to that. How do I know I'm saved? When my life on this earth is over and this physical body dies, how do I know that at death my soul is going to go and be with God in heaven one day? How do I know that? Well, the answer based on Matthew 7 verse 21 that we just read is this. You do the Father's will. Now, doing the Father's will does include recognizing Jesus as Lord. Doing the Father's will includes believing in Jesus' sacrificial death for our sins and His victorious resurrection from the dead. Doing God's will includes receiving Jesus as Savior. But doing God's will also includes obedience. To do the will of our Father is to be obedient. John chapter 3, verse 36, it says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So obeying the Son is necessary. Doing the Father's will is necessary. Jesus asks the question in Luke 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It doesn't make sense to call Jesus Lord, Lord, and then refuse to do what He tells us to do. If He's Lord... And if we recognize Him as Lord, then we should obey Him. What we say with our mouths should be matched by what we do with our hands and our feet. Our allegiance to Jesus is demonstrated by our actions. And so we can say obedience is a necessary evidence of salvation. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Obedience is a necessary evidence of salvation. Now, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Salvation is not earned. Now, when I say salvation, what, what I mean by salvation is, and I can describe it in other ways, when I talk about salvation, I'm talking about the idea that God has given you a new birth. God has given you new life. I'm talking about what, what Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John 3, when he talked to him about being born again or born from above. It's this idea that you have been forgiven for your sin. That you have been given eternal life. That you are a child of God. You have received Jesus Christ. You have believed.